Hey everybody, I'm Josh Constein, and welcome to Press Club. Here we bring together the biggest names in technology to discuss the big issues facing the industry. And today we have one of the most important and powerful people in technology that not enough people know the name of, and that is Fiji Simo, the head of the Facebook app. She's the one who actually runs the main Facebook app and is responsible for all of its product management, where that app is going, and all the features that it launches. And so today we're going to be discussing a little bit about Facebook's new push into audio. They're launching a slew of new features, including live audio rooms, little highlights called sound bites, uh, integrations with Spotify and a podcast player. And we're going to discuss how that's going to affect the audio industry, how that's going to affect creators, and what that means for the rest of the social audio space like Clubhouse. So please welcome to the stage, Fiji Simo from Facebook. Hi, everyone. And thanks, Josh, for the warm welcome. Thank you so much for coming. So I want to just jump right in. Maybe you could just start by telling us, why is Facebook suddenly so interested in audio? Well, you know, I think we have seen the rise of audio over the last few years, and we've certainly seen it on our own platforms uh, with v- uh, with audio calling and audio messages on both WhatsApp and Messenger. Uh, and certainly during the pandemic, that has become even more uh, important of a trend. And we think that's because audio has two fundamental things that are really exciting. One is that it feels very intimate. Like, you know, when you hear someone's voice uh, inside your ear with very good sound, it can really make you feel like in the same room, uh, you're in the same room with someone. And then the other reason is that it's also incredibly convenient because you can take an audio experience with you anywhere. So, you know, you can be on your run and and listen to something interesting and join in on a conversation. Uh, and, and it allows for a level of spontaneity that that I think is really important. So as we think about, you know, the next uh, social experiences that can be created in the same way that we offered a lot of different video experiences over the years, we are uh, expecting that audio will kind of follow the same trajectory and uh, will have like a variety of different uh, ways to connect over audio. And and that's why we're making audio kind of a, a first-class citizen uh, inside the Facebook app. So yeah, it seems like there's a lot of reasons why it could be happening right now, especially given after COVID, I think a lot of people feel really socially isolated. You know, you don't get to run into friends who might be, you know, friends number five to 20, who you love seeing. You might hug them when you see them, but you're probably not going to call them up on the phone. And it seems like these new audio features, especially social audio, can really bridge that gap. And if you guys want to answer, uh, submit questions or discuss what we're talking about, you can go to constein.club and join the chat room. And there you can submit questions and we'll be getting into some of the ones uh, that I think are most interesting, and I'll be asking them a little bit later in the show. But Fiji, I want to start off by asking, you know, we had Mark Zuckerberg, one of your bosses, on, <laughs> on the show recently, and he did an amazing job of discussing why the creator economy mattered to him and, and why he was excited about audio. But one of the things that I thought was interesting is that, you know, Mark came on Clubhouse a few times, and now all of a sudden, Facebook's launching some audio features. Maybe you could just tell me, like, where did the inspiration come from? And what what from Clubhouse did you find you know, powerful or inspiring as you started to work on your own social features in audio? 
first off, I'll say, you know, Clubhouse has done something really amazing. Uh, and, and I love the product and I'm, I'm glad to be doing this with you today. Um, and, and it's really hard to build a new social format, uh, you know, especially nowadays, like building that from scratch is really, really difficult. Uh, so I think they've done something incredible. But, but the thing that's important to realize is that we've been working on audio for many, many years, and we wouldn't be able to launch the products that we have announced, you know, last week if we hadn't. So to give you an example, uh, we announced the ability to kind of have a full recording studio in your pocket uh, with really novel audio creation tools that remove all of back, all background noise, allow you to uh, add effects to your voice, add sound effects. Um, and even, you know, in the future, things like spatial audio, so that as we're having this conversation right now, uh, you would be able as a listener to hear Josh on one side of the room and me on the other side, um, uh, so that it can really replicate real life. All of these technologies don't happen overnight. So we've been investing in the foundation for these audio experiences for a very long time. Uh, that being said, we definitely accelerated, uh, you know, our, our advances in, uh, I would say, the last six months when we saw during the pandemic this, this big rise of audio experiences. And we think that the thing we can uniquely bring to the table is this idea of, having all of the different audio formats in one place. So not just live audio, which, you know, Clubhouse is, is obviously great at, but also uh, things like short form audio. And that's why we announced Soundbites, things like podcasts, because regular people and creators uh, kind of want to consume uh, and, and create a lot of different varieties of audio content. And it's not going to be one size fits all. So we think that bringing all of these different products and having them work together uh, is going to be really important. What's special about the Facebook social graph or, you know, the, the community that it's built there that can bring something maybe different to audio? You know, I think there's a lot of incredible emergent cultures here on Clubhouse. There's great talks like this, though I think some of that like person to person, friend to friend social rooms is an experience I want to see grow and see more of here on Clubhouse. What are you guys thinking about when it comes to friend to friend audio rather than thinking of it as more of a public broadcasting space? You're totally right. Even within the space of live audio, uh, there are many flavors of it. So, you know, the so, so friend-to-friend experience is something that we're going to be very bullish about, both on the Facebook app, but also in Messenger, where, you know, a lot of people already have kind of these Messenger groups of, of a couple friends. Um, you know, I have mine, we, we call ourselves the fierce moms, and it's like five moms that have had kids at the same time, and we talk all the time. Um, uh, via chat, but it would be so nice if we could just, you know, press a button and just say, hey, we're having like an audio conversation, drop in if you want, but, you know, with a very different dynamics than if it was an actual call. Um, and so uh, we, we are very bullish on these types of experiences. The other 
type of experience we're very bullish about when you, you ask about what's special about our network uh, is groups. You know, we have like tens of millions of Facebook groups and 1.8 billion people inside these Facebook groups. And what you see there is a lot of really niche interests. And we think that's going to be like really awesome for people to be able to drop into a, a room and be able to have like a live audio conversation on like, you know, the, the last group I saw was like a bunch of people who were trying to train their dogs together and exchanging tips on that. A uh, bunch of people who are like, uh, you know, you see all kinds of really interesting and weird stuff in these groups. It's fascinating. It's like there's this crazy group called Octonation where people talk about octopuses all day. And like, this is the kind of thing where like, uh, you, you know, having this collection of people who have chosen to get into a group uh, around their interests will make a live audio product just kind of naturally fit in. And we saw a little bit of that with video rooms already uh, when we launched, and and we think audio is going to be an even uh, more frictionless way of having these conversations. You mentioned it being more frictionless because I found rooms to be very frictionful. I was really excited yeah. when they launched, but the few times that I've tried it, almost nobody dropped in with the room. It was kind of hard to discover, and overall, it was just really I, I didn't. It didn't feel like I saw anybody else really using this. How has usage been of Facebook Rooms to date? So it's been you know, inside Facebook groups. We're actually seeing a lot of usage, especially in groups that are you know in the like thousand to ten thousand people size so the super super large groups you know the video rooms get noisy and so that's you know you can't have a lot of like very high quality experiences but in the, in the size where you have enough people like you know above a thousand that like you're likely to have a bunch of people available at the same time to have a conversation but not so many that it gets very noisy uh video rooms have been actually fantastic you know um i created a nonprofit called women in Pro product and we have a Facebook group for all the women in product management. And the few times we used video rooms was fantastic because uh, you could see all of these kind of junior, more junior women in product management interacting with more senior women and getting advice. And it was like very lively conversations. So um, I think, you know, there's still a little, like uh, actually a big hurdle from uh, getting on camera. And that's why audio rooms, I think, have a lot of potential because especially when it's with complete, you know, strangers, even though you have something in common, uh, I think people are going to be a lot more comfortable doing that over audios and video. And, and that's why we see uh, the new products we're announcing as very complementary. So it seems like there is a bit of a shift here. You know, for the last few years, Facebook really was talking about meaningful interactions, friend to friends, friends and family. That was the big sort of set of buzzwords. And, you know, uh, if you zoom back maybe a few years before that, that was when we were in that real public era of Facebook. It was lots about link sharing uh, and the feed. And then Facebook, you know, famously made some significant shifts. It dialed back viral video. It dialed back news on the platform and tried to shift towards this friends and family element. Now it feels like with podcasts, sound bites, and some of these other audio features, perhaps, you know, the live audio rooms for social and groups aside, it seems like we're moving back in that direction of public content. Is that Facebook's intention? Or how do you think about that, you know, friends and family versus really interesting interest-based uh, content and, and how that shift is happening? 
friends and family will always remain at the center of Facebook. Like if you ask anyone why they use the Facebook app, that's usually the primary thing they tell you. Uh, and so that's a very, very important uh, thing for us. That's, that's, you know, when you want to connect people, that's really at the heart of what, what you do. It's still what's so unique about Facebook. Like it's the only place where most people's whole family actually are on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. And and we see, you know, we see a lot of uh, people really benefiting from that, especially, uh, you know, during uh, life changes when like you move jobs, you move countries, you move uh, to university, like things like that, uh, times like that where um, you benefit a lot from being able to stay in touch with the different parts of your life, uh, you know, are, are really critical to, to uh, uh, reinforce this network. And and I would say, you know, that we've continued to, to invest in that heavily. But uh, over the last few years, we've also seen groups just completely explode. And, and so uh, in my mind, this notion of communities coming together, and uh, especially we saw during the pandemic, finding forms of resilience together, uh, supporting each other, helping each other discover new things, uh, to your point around interest. Uh, I think that's an incredibly exciting you know, future for the app. And, and it's already happening, but I think we're really just scratching the surface and there's a lot more uh, that we can we can create on top of that. How do you think about though that the bigger shifts that have been happening with Facebook over the years from say text towards photos, photos towards video, then we kind of went back from video back to photos and text after that sort of pull back from viral video and now moving towards audio. Sometimes it can feel like there's a lot of change on Facebook and it can be kind of scary for creators to think about tying, you know, their presence or, you know, building their their uh, their following on a, an app like Facebook when it's changed priorities so often. I think a lot of people still are little sore over what happened around news and video, where a lot of newsrooms pivoted towards video chasing, you know, Facebook's uh, sudden boost for the feed uh, presence of video. And, you know, newsrooms hired big teams that were expensive, started producing a ton of video. A few years later, Facebook said, oh, it turns out that viral video isn't what's best for people's well-being. We're shifting a little bit away from that. And a lot of those newsrooms ended up having to fire some of those teams and lay off those video uh, talent. And that, I think that was really tough for a lot of publishers. And it's made some creators I know feel a little bit apprehensive about you know, tying their, their boat to Facebook in, in its new audio features. So maybe you could just talk to us a little bit about why, why should creators trust Facebook this time around? So I think you know, what you're highlighting is uh, you know, a lot of, of the examples that you give are some tension between the fact that we're a company that fundamentally focuses on uh, what users want. And, and we've been extremely focused on that. And that means that sometimes when we try things and we realize, oh, that's actually not exactly the right mix of things that, that people want, we change that. And, you know, I think that's healthy because fundamentally, like, what's, uh, what's important for, for creators is that uh, they have distribution channels and people enjoy what they're seeing. So we need, we need to, to continue being anchored in what consumers want. But uh, the feedback that, that you're mentioning here, which is like, we also need stability, is absolutely fair. Uh, you know, in talking to a lot of creators, they're trying to fundamentally build a business on our platforms and, and predictability is a part of that. So we are trying to really get better at it, where 
incredibly focused on monetization for creators uh, and offering a very large portfolio of monetization options, given that we know that it's not uh, one size fits all. And I think there are monetization options that, uh, you know, are going to be even more suited for people who have these like very deeply engaged uh, consumer base where, uh, you know, the, the shift in, in what uh, newsfeed distributes is, is not going to be uh, as much of an issue because when you have a dedicated, uh, highly dedicated audience uh, who's, you know, using like maybe Facebook stars to tip you or maybe using a Facebook fan uh, subscriptions uh, to sus- subscribe to your content, uh, that's going to be a pretty reliable, uh, you know, source of, source of income for you. So that's why these revenue models are really exciting for us. Um, and I think more generally on the distribution side, we're really trying to uh, provide the creators with just more tools and more insights to uh, be able to manage uh, distribution in a more predictable way, because I do agree that this is uh, definitely a need. I want to get back to the monetization features in a second, but you know, it seems like your answer there to why creators should trust Facebook is that it's going to help them make money this time. And I definitely think that sometimes it hasn't done that soon enough, whether that was with video creators for the history of the feed or, you know, on Instagram in general, for instance. But you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get attention. You have to have attention to be able to get monetization to work for these creators. And I think that's what people are a little bit scared of is that, you know, where does sound bites live in the feed? Where do podcast discovery, where does that happen? And can I be sure that this isn't going to be something where, yes, Facebook helps people find my podcast or my sound bites or my live audio rooms for a while. But then if it's not maybe driving the engagement that Facebook wants or that it's not monetizing the way that it wants, that it ends up shifting the feed reach away. And while those monetization features might remain, and especially things like subscriptions could continue to support creators, they wouldn't necessarily be able to get that influx of new users uh, checking them out, which is so important to driving that monetization. So you know, how do you let uh, creators know like, how do you reassure creators that that feed reach or that attention and visibility is going to remain when you, you've said that what really does come first isn't creators, but is what users want? And that's been a successful strategy for Facebook for a long time. You know, it really muted Zynga and all of those early social games around 2010 when they were spamming the feed with, with all those from, uh, Farmville invites. And I thought that was a great thing for the platform, even though it was problematic for Zynga's business. But, you know, when you're moving from big corporations to individual creators, as that that business element and you're still putting the users first, I think it gives creators a bit of a pause. So maybe you could just talk about how do you reassure creators that the feed reach and visibility will be there even if Facebook's always going to prioritize the user first instead of the creator? You know, I think the thing that's really important to understand is like, if you don't prioritize the users, you're also not doing right by creators. You know, if you're a platform that fundamentally doesn't answer to users' needs, um, there's not going to be much distribution to be had for creators in general. So, so that's why it's a it's a balance that kind of like you know the incentives are aligned from from that perspective. Uh, and and the thing you know the thing that is challenging, and I fully recognize that, is just. Attention is fundamentally limited. You know, the the amount of content that is being produced every day that you could see in your newsfeed continues to increase uh, at a much faster pace than, you know, the number of uh, hours that that you want to spend. And so fundamentally, there is a high competition for, for user attention. 
However, the thing that, that I think is reassuring is, um, you know, we are in a fundamentally different position than, than a couple of years ago because we have new destinations that uh, have been built that don't rely on feed, you know, as much. Uh, you know, a good example is Facebook Watch, where in the past, all videos were trading off other photos. And, you know, we always had this, this joke that, uh, like, you know, on Mother's Day, like you have so many pictures of, of, your, of moms that nothing can get through. And so like creators that kind of like got a news to the fact that you could not get any reach on Mother's Day. Uh, but that's not the case anymore because like, uh, you know, Facebook Watch is now a massive video platform that people go to directly from the tab uh, and and don't rely on newsfeed to get to that destination, which gives a lot more flexibility because now the videos that you see there don't compete with the Mother's Day post. And uh, we're taking a very similar approach with audio. You know, I think uh, audio content will need to be distributed in feed because to your point, like this is the top of the funnel and it's going to encourage some discovery. Uh, but ideally over time, people learn that if they want great audio content, if they're jumping into their car for an hour and they just want to press play, they can just go to an audio destination um, and discover a lot of creator content in a way that's not going to compete as much with, you know, posts from their friends or posts from their groups and, and things like that. And then the last thing is we have also built, you know, Facebook groups as a way to nurture our community. So uh, not only can you have like fans follow your page, but if you get them into a fan group, that's also a way to um, make sure that you're going to have a direct relationship with them. You're, you're going to be able to engage them in a way that uh, is also less reliant on newsfeed. To that end, I think there's been some confusion about like where these different audio products actually live. I know a lot of people thought yeah. Soundbytes is actually going to be a separate Facebook app, which I think no. worried some creators because <laughs> Facebook's standalone apps have not necessarily fared as well as some features that have been put in the main app, things like Marketplace, which has really blown up. And so are you thinking of giving Soundbytes like a dedicated feed, you know, a, a tab icon navigation bar uh, button that people can go to the way that they have ones for events or Marketplace? or groups? Uh, and how else are you thinking about where the, this content lives? Like, is it all going to live in the main feed? Or are you thinking about building destinations specifically for audio within Facebook? So it's pretty clear that we're going to need a destination for all audio content. I don't think we're going to have like um, uh, a tab just for sound bites, for example. Uh, I think in all likelihood, and you know, this is stuff we're, we're working through right now uh, because you know, we haven't put these products in, in front of people yet. So obviously we'll adjust based on the feedback. But um, ideally what what we want is a destination that you can go to similar to watch, similar to marketplace, uh, where you can just go listen to uh, exciting things. So it can be, you know, a live conversation if you're lucky enough to be in the app right when something very interesting is happening. Or it could be sound bites, or it could be podcasts and, um, and really discover all of this audio content in one place because we think fundamentally like you know when you want to listen to audio content it's usually a very different occasion than when you're just 
browsing your feed. Like sometimes, you know, you, you, like I said, you get into your car and I certainly hope you're not browsing your feed when you're, you're in, in, into your car. So we want to, we want to have a, like a very separate place to tell you, Hey, press a button and you can just listen to content here. Or if you're multitasking again, like we want you to go to a destination and be able to, uh, discover audio content. So every, every piece of content like podcasts, like soundbites, obviously will be distributed in feed um, because that's, that's a great entry point. But we think that they will also uh, need a separate destination as well uh, just to have a more reliable discovery experience. I think one of the things that complicates building a feature as robust as, you know, audio, live audio rooms, sound bites, all these things into what a lot of people consider maybe an already pretty bloated app. Like Facebook does a lot. Like there are a lot of features. If you ever open that, that yes. menu sidebar, it's just like an endless list uh, of features. And I, I think it can make it feel like, wait, I already think of Facebook as this visual feed that I scroll. And I think that's brought up questions for me about, you know, how do you compete with a place like uh you know, like Clubhouse, which is just an, a destination. It only does one thing. People know if they want to listen to audio, they go there rather than, you know, having to build, you know, really fork the way that people think about their behavior on something like Facebook. And meanwhile, you have to think about it too, because, you know, if you're sending a ton of push notifications about live audio rooms, you might be drowning out other notifications like photo tags or likes, or, you know, if you're, uh, you know, if, if you're trying to get people to spend their time listening to something, they might not be scrolling and uh, the feed as much where you show ads and really monetize. How do you think about cannibalizing existing engagement, monetizations, notifications, as you try to build such a different medium into the existing Facebook app? It's an excellent question. Uh, the way we think about it is that fundamentally, uh, there are a lot of things that people do want to do in the same app. Uh, like, let me give you a very basic example. The number one complaint that we had with live video um, when we launched it was people missing out on on live content. And if you build it inside a separate app, like you increase that risk. You know, you mentioned uh, uh, what I thought about using Clubhouse. Like I, I did a Clubhouse with Diane von Furstenberg weeks ago, and uh, it was super fun. And then our common our, our, uh, common friends were like, "Oh, okay." Well, where, where can we, uh, we missed it. Where can we find it? You know, and, and if you put it inside an app where people spend a lot of their time, there's just a, a much higher likelihood uh, that people are just going to stumble across something interesting, you know? Uh, so that's, that's definitely a big factor. And then if you think about it from the creator side, they've already invested just a lot of effort into building a fan base. And what they really want is to be able to nurture that fan base with many different formats. You know, they want to be able to use stories to show the behind the scenes of their days. They want to be able to use live audio to have like a conversation between like three creators. Uh, they want to be able to do like sound bites for like the motivational quote of the day. Uh, that like having all of these formats in one place means that, you know, they can nurture their community and grow their community in a much more efficient way. So we think that there's, there's also a lot of advantages in having all of these things in one place. Uh, there's definitely space for, you know, single purpose app and, you know, that's uh, definitely 
actually part of why uh, Clubhouse is very successful. Uh, but the approach we're taking is much more solving the needs of creators who are going to need all of these pieces to uh, nurture their community and people who kind of want to listen to all of that in in uh, one place. And, and um, they already spend time in the Facebook app, so it's very convenient for them to uh, discover more content while they're here. What does success look like for Facebook audio? Um, or I guess what does space what is what does success sound like for Facebook audio? <laughs> um, I think you know what we really want is uh, for audio to create a, a new form of social connection. And so I was mentioning uh, groups earlier on and how important groups is for us. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if audio can make uh, groups even more interesting and, uh, you know, people, uh, for people to feel like when they join a group, like they're going to get not just awesome content in, you know, photos and videos, but also like an amazing experience where they can like make friends with people who have the same interest because they're going to be able to talk together uh, in a live audio room. That would be fantastic. And then on the creator side, you know, uh, you, as you said, you talked to Mark about that. We are making a big push on uh, enabling creators to uh, really establish a presence and, and grow their, their community on Facebook and monetize. And so uh, the big bet for us is that by adding audio as a first class uh, citizen to the app, in addition to what creators can already do with video and all of our other formats, uh, that we will attract new creators who may find a voice in, in a different way uh, through a new format. So, you know, we we, uh, we announced the Audio Creator Fund. And uh, for us, that's a way to work with uh, different creators, some who already have a big presence on Facebook, some who may, uh, you know, be uh, more new and, and really understand, like, what is a new format that they can create with our tools? Like, uh, is there is there something really like truly original that uh, they can express themselves with? Uh, because we think creation tools is part of uh, you know is part of the three things we we care about doing for creators. One is creation tools, the other one is distribution, and the last one is monetization. And so, um, audio is definitely in the first bucket and something we're very, very excited about, um, as well as, you know, different ways of monetizing audio. So I want to get back to that monetization in just a second, uh, but I want to ask about the creator fund before we move on for a second. You, you guys are launching this audio creator fund to help pay for, you know, maybe advances or stipends or, you know, money to creators to help them get on board these new platforms before there's necessarily an audience there. Can you tell us a little bit more about like how big is this fund? Like how many millions, hopefully, of dollars <laughs> is it? And, you know, how how are you going to be uh, distributing that? Is that going to be on based on like long-term engagement and usage? Is it going to be uh, for just having something that goes really viral? You know, how do you distribute that, that funding? Because I think that's so important right now is especially for representation because if you only allow you know creators who are basically self-sufficient in uh, in terms of financials to be able to become creators because you don't offer monetization at first it can be really tough for people who maybe have day jobs for instance to keep uh, to keep being creators uh, and I think that's really important for you to offer that money up front so maybe just tell us a little bit too, like how big is the creator fund how are people going to get those payments 
it's certainly several millions of dollars. Uh, we're not we're not sharing the exact exact amount, but so we were thinking about. Is it, it like over a hundred million? Uh, no, but uh, let, let me tell you more. Is it about over ten million? <laughs> let me tell you. You you won't get me to to tell you the exact amount, Josh. <laughs> I know you're very very good, <laughs> but. Uh, let me tell you more about how we think about it. We, uh, the way in which creators are going to monetize, you know, long term is really through our uh, monetization tools. That's like fan subscriptions, branded content, uh, stars, paid online events. Like I can, you know, I can actually talk about all of these. And, and these are really the ways in which we think, um, uh, the, the stable ways in which creators can monetize. The audio creator fund for us is, is much more of a way uh, for creators to experiment with a completely new format without taking the risk themselves because it takes a lot of time to experiment with something like uh, Soundbites and you know figure out how to get it right, especially uh, since these creators are going to kind of be building the product with us and giving us feedback and telling us like, you know, which voice effects would be helpful in our audio camera, which like, you know, uh, audio uh, green, we, we have this feature called audio green screen, which kind of allows you to um, make you sound as if you're near a river or near a beach. Like, you know, creators will need to tell us like, okay, is, that's not working or there's a better thing that, that uh, we would need to tell a better story. And so that takes a lot of time. And, and uh, we wanted to have this fund uh, in order to to make sure that we could work with uh, a bunch of creators in different categories, to your point around representation, that's very top of mind for us. And so, you know, we have a creator like Drew Lynch, who's going to be uh, using soundbites for doing like comedic rant. We have a creator like Lolo Spencer, who's going to be doing like motivational quotes and daily affirmations. And so uh, all of these creators are, are going to kind of try to figure out what is the right use for this format, like what works, what doesn't work, uh, and giving us a lot of feedback. So we see it as a way to like de-risk experimentation. But once that's done, and once we have a product that we think works, uh, the goal is really to uh, make sure that our monetization options just work at scale and that, you know, uh, with live audio, you can have people distributing stars to their favorite creators while they're having a live audio conversation. Uh, or you can create, you know, gated access to a room so that, like, you can be paid for, uh, you know, if you if you invite someone, great. Like, so, so all of that that are going to be just some much more scalable things. And uh, that's, that's the kind of thing that we're uh, working on even more than, than, you know, the experimentation. Ah, got it. So it's over 10 million then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but I, I do have a, a, a real serious question about this, which is, are you thinking about sort of concentrating this fund more towards maybe some really big name creators, the way that you know, no. Spotify signed Joe Rogan versus are you thinking about spreading it a little bit more thinly across a lot of creators in more like niche uh, status or, you know, uh, niche interests and, and styles and, and rather thinking of it as being like building a big community of creators rather than maybe attracting a few tentpole creators uh, that might draw in a big audience to the platform on their own. We're thinking about the latter much more. Um, you know, we think that 
there's definitely a lot of products already that we have for tentpole creators. Um, and, and, you know, tentpole creators usually don't have trouble monetizing, you know, they, they have like awesome brand deals and they do a lot of brand content on Instagram. They can attract a crowd so they can use paid online events and, and, you know, have, have a lot of people pay for access. So, um, that's really not, uh, the focus here. The focus is much more, uh, for us on like enabling, uh, new kinds of creators, uh, to, to find their voice, literally find their voice in, uh, in an audio, uh, in an audio format. So, uh, we're going much more towards niche, towards like interesting, uh, potential uses of the product. You know, like I was talking about daily affirmations, like, which would be really cool. Uh, if you imagine starting your day with like three minutes of like inspirational content from a creator, that could be really awesome. We have a bunch of ASMR creators who are going to do ASMR in Sunbite, uh, which I find fascinating. Uh, Can't so wait for those think, Facebook moan rooms. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Only the real press work. clubbers and, and clubhouse heads know about that that dark moment in clubhouse history. We've built a lot of infrastructure over the years to try to to detect that, but uh, but yes, anyways, uh, in terms of in terms of creators, yeah, it's going to be more niche, and we're excited to see what uh, new new creators are going to do with these products. Great. So we'll be taking a few questions in a few moments from uh, the audience. And so if you want to submit a question, you can go to constine.club and join the chat room there and submit your questions. Also, if you want the podcast of my recording with the show with Mark Zuckerberg, where we talked about the creator economy, you can get that there. It's at constine.club. It's just my last name.club, or you can find it in my bio. Um, I wanted to ask a few more questions, Fiji. Uh, maybe one is around sort of privacy and moderation. First off, you know, are you guys using the recordings from these new audio features to help train like your voice recognition AI or your other AI systems? So it's kind of like any of our other features where we we uh, can use the data for personalization. Uh, and so, you know, if you think about Soundbite, for example, uh, we're definitely going to make sure that if you're listening to a lot of like ASMR Soundbites, we can detect that and show you more, like recommend more ASMR Soundbites. Um, so that that's a way in which we uh, we can use personalization. That's great for the personalization, but are you using the, that that data to train the AI? You know, and there was that moment when all the the smart speakers suddenly realized that they hadn't really asked for proper permission to be using the recordings from like Alexa and Google Home and Facebook Portal for use uh, for training their AI and voice recognition systems. So, is that something like that? Are do, do users have to sign some disclaimer? Is that getting added to the terms of service or privacy policy that that's going to happen, or are you going to make sure not to use those? recordings to train your AI and solely use them for personalization? I actually don't know exactly like for for uh, how we, we train the AI, uh, but like everything that we're doing with audio products is very clear for people. Like where it's very clear when you're uh, you are using the microphone, very clear where uh, when we're recording, and then all of that just follows the terms of services and data use policy. I don't know the exact terms, but uh, it follows uh, the data use policies that's available on Facebook. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, that that makes sense because I think people would definitely want to feel like they they know what's going on there. Uh, 
Then it comes to moderation. You know, moderation can be so difficult already with texts and photos and videos where you can, you know, detect, you can uh, train systems to pretty reliably be able to detect abuse or problems. In audio, it can be more difficult, especially depending on the audio quality and how good a transcription you can even get from that audio. And then there's the whole other issue of it being live and the fact that you kind of have to like catch the problem or the abuse in the moment. Otherwise, the damage has already been done. And so I know Facebook had some issues with Facebook Live around this so, uh, on video that it didn't necessarily have the systems trained properly to be able to detect this stuff or moderators couldn't necessarily find the problematic moment during a, a long live video quickly enough to be able to put a stop to it. So how what have you done to sort of ensure that we're not going to see similar abuse problems or you know self-harm over uh, things on audio that we saw with Facebook Live video? You know, I think you, you you definitely kind of answered already. We we have uh, so much experience from uh, Facebook Lives that we are bringing to bear here. Uh, you know, the, the thing that's very important is being able to use uh, artificial intelligence to be able to detect these issues as they are happening. Because to your point, um, like the, the live aspect makes that very challenging. For many, many years, we have invested in extremely solid uh, speech-to-text technology. And so through speech-to-text, we are able to uh, kind of run our AI models to figure out if uh, the text uh, that comes from the audio contains any of the the words that, that might indicate, you know, violence, bullying, uh, self-harm, all of the things that are against our terms of services. And, and as a result, uh, if, if it is detected, immediately put that in front of a human reviewer uh, who can take action immediately and stops the live. Uh, so we've, we've definitely had a lot of learnings on that. The other thing is obviously that uh, you can report as a listener, uh, you can report any of the speakers, you can report the room, uh, and we will have human reviewers reviewing uh, all of these reports in real time also to be able to intervene in case uh, our AI you know, doesn't, doesn't catch something because obviously AI is not foolproof. So um, we, we will have human reviewers catching that uh, when, when the reports come in. What do you think about advertising in audio? Like, are you guys thinking about offering, you know, audio inserts the way that you guys have video breaks, which are basically video ad inserts into other videos? Are you thinking about bringing that to audio? This isn't something we're working on right now, um, because as as you know, we we usually start with uh, making sure that we have a, a great product that has traction uh, with consumers uh, before we uh, we put ads in there. I, I think you know there's a lot of ways in which audio advertising can be uh, can be improved, uh, including you know bringing to bear all of the, the targeting options that that we have so that we can make it much more personalized. Uh, so I think there's there's a lot of ways in which um, audio ads would make a lot of sense, but it's not something that uh, we're working on right now. In terms of monetization, we're much more focused on monetization options for creators like um, Facebook stars, paid online events, uh, fan subscriptions, 
which we think are going to have a lot more impact for creators monetizing than just putting ads. Uh, because, you know, to, to monetize something through ads uh, as a creator and make a lot of money from that, you do need a very large audience. And since to, to your earlier question, we really want to help not just the large creator, but also the emerging creators uh, and kind of this middle class of creators we think that um, options like paid online events and, and uh, Facebook stars or fan subscription are going to be much better than ads short term. What percentage of the revenue are, is Facebook planning to take for things like paid subscriptions or ticketed events? So right now we take no cut. Uh, during We said that during the pandemic, we would take uh, absolutely no, uh, no uh, fee out of these products. Uh, and the reason for that was because we actually saw a lot of creators who had offline businesses. Like, for example, you know, we saw a lot of like fitness instructors who used to have fitness classes in person and use paid online events to run these classes via Facebook Live. And that was a way for them to literally survive the pandemic. So when we saw that, we decided to waive our fees entirely. Uh, and I believe we're going to continue expanding that because we're, you know, economically we're, uh, we're not out of this pandemic yet. Uh, and then long term, you know, uh, this is something that we're still defining, but we want to be extremely competitive and um, certainly take less than a lot of the large players. But eventually, you know, that's that's great. And I think that that's honestly very honorable. And especially given you know, Apple just announced its premium podcast this week where it's taking its 30 percent. And meanwhile, Spotify announced that it's doing premium podcasts, but it's not going to take any percent, at least at first. Yeah. And eventually we'll do five percent, even though Spotify. Apple would get its 30%, but instead Spotify is going to have to do that whole convoluted, like send people off of app, but you can't tell them to go off app to the web to be able to monetize. But eventually, you know, when you know, when things stabilize, say in two years, what's your estimate? Is it going to be something more like 30%, which is kind of a traditional platform cut? Is it going to be something closer to like 10% the way that maybe Patreon does? Or, or what's your estimate there? We haven't decided yet, but like in terms of our philosophy, I think we want to be closer to the Patreon end than the Apple end. Uh, I mean, 30% for creators is pretty brutal. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I, I I was actually very happy to see uh, the Spotify move. I, I think that's incredibly smart of them to have gone that way. And, uh, uh, and fundamentally, if you want to enable a creative economy, uh, you know, it's going to be very important to have very favorable terms for creators. Do you think that the platform taxes, like the Apple's 30% tax on all in-app purchases, does that hurt the creator economy? Of course, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, it's... Uh, it's kind of obvious that uh, it's already very hard as a creator to be able to uh, attract an audience and get to the point where someone is willing to actually pay for your content. Um, and and the fact that there is such a cut uh, just definitely, uh, definitely hurts them. So uh, I, I really believe that uh, we're going to we're going to evolve towards platform needing to take uh, less of a cut for, for this type of content. If we want the creative economy to really reach its full potential, uh, you know, the, the dream for everyone is that all of these wonderful creative people can all make a very good living out of uh, their creative talent. Um, and I think this is, uh, this is something that's definitely going to require having not only multiple monetization models, as, as I mentioned, but also more favorable terms. 
Has Facebook uh, explored any other sort of alternative ways to get around those 30% taxes, like bumping you over to a web version where you could make a purchase, for instance, and uh, sort of escape those fees because they don't apply when you're in the uh, the web browser, uh, or being able to buy credits ahead of time, something like off, you know, buy uh, more, you know, similar to stars, but, you know, for yeah. other types of in-app purchases to be able to send people offline or let them buy a virtual currency and then spend it elsewhere, or maybe just expanding the stars program to be able to apply to a, a wider range of things. So maybe instead of just tips that you could actually pay for subscriptions or tickets uh, with them so that you could be able to maybe avoid that, those taxes. Have you guys explored any of those options to avoid the platform taxes like Apple's? We are certainly trying to direct people uh, to uh, web options. But I mean, you know, Josh, like Apple is incredibly strict on that. So you can't, you can't even tell people, hey, like, go to Android or go to go to web because you'll get a better deal or the creator you're trying to support will get like more money in their pocket. Like this is something Apple doesn't allow. Uh, and so we can't even do that. Uh, so so it's very limiting in terms of uh, what we're able to do to, to direct people to platforms uh, that have much more generous, uh, generous terms. So uh, we've been challenged on that front for sure. Uh, I would say, you know, where uh, continuing to to try to find solutions with Apple. Uh, one of the examples is that for paid online events, um, when when we entirely waived our fees for the pandemic and, and they were kind of refusing to waive their fees, um, we, we pushed pretty hard and they did allow us to offer uh, an alternative payment platform, which was in our case Facebook Pay, uh, so that we wouldn't have to go through, uh, through Apple and, and gives us 30 percent cut it's not something that you know they're they're gonna offer uh, long term but whenever we have an opportunity to advocate for small businesses and creators uh, we certainly take that opportunity and try to uh, to negotiate better terms in thinking about the bigger sort of regulatory uh, uh, landscape right now, you know, traditionally Facebook has acquired companies when it sees a big new opportunity. You know, when it saw as, you know international messaging, it bought WhatsApp. When it saw the rise of virtual reality and the potential to become a next computing platform, it acquired Oculus. You know, when it saw the the desire for for Instagram uh, and all the interest in a more simplified photo experience, it acquired Instagram. You know, has that changed? Can Facebook still make Make those kind of acquisitions in the same regulatory environment and did you guys make an offer on clubhouse <laughs> no we did not oh you did uh, not make an offer on clubhouse that's super interesting so the way we're thinking about it is that there are a lot of core features that we can just you know build ourselves uh as as part of offering a range of services um that being said when uh we're entering you know completely like different markets and things uh where we have like very little going on inside the company uh, ourselves and and completely new uh new markets, then it makes sense to bring in some of the expertise. Uh, but when it's more like, you know, core social products, uh, we already have a bunch of the expertise in-house. And so uh, it, it often makes more sense to just build it ourselves. And when you say you didn't make an offer on Clubhouse, did you guys go into like late stage talks with them or have those kind of M&A talks? 
Josh, you, you probably know that any type of feminine conversation would be highly confidential. <laughs> so I mean, you'd oh, think no, so, but people that. found out that Twitter made a bid. <laughs> well, yes, uh, but but uh, that, that's all I'm going to say. But we, we are big fans of what they're doing. And uh, um, we uh, we are hoping that we can bring, uh, you know, some some of the live audio magic uh, to Facebook in a way that makes sense for our user base. So one of our uh, readers and listeners on on Constantine.club where we can submit questions if you guys want to see the back channel and see uh, you know talk with other listeners about what they feel about the talk. Uh, one of our, our listeners, Lartis, uh, they asked, you know, what keeps Fiji awake at night? You know, the idea maybe that people are spending more time on Instagram than on Facebook or, you know, people consuming on new social networks like TikTok. You know, are, is there something that like does keep you up at night and that you feel like is a big challenge to you, especially maybe in the competitive landscape? It's a good question. Uh, you know, I think I think the main thing uh, for us is just like really trying to do a really good job on uh, gaining people trust, making sure that uh, we are a platform that has, um, uh, you know, a great community like uh, that people uh, that has content that follows our community standards, like. All of the things that we've gone through, uh, kind of in the last few years, and making sure that uh, we uh, we do very well on on these issues, uh, that's something that's always priority number one. You know, uh, way way above like all of the other stuff because I think this stuff really matters for the relationship we have we have with our users and and the trust we have. If, if we don't have that, then kind of nothing else matters. Uh, so that's always the thing that's really top of mind for me, issues around privacy, integrity. Um, outside of that, you know, I think for me, it's more like, you know, seeing the big opportunities that we have in front of us. And the two big ones that I'm most excited about are, uh, you know, building communities. And we see that there's really an explosion around people who like really want to uh, get together with others and experience things together. Uh, and these creative economies that we spend most of the chat on. Um, and these two things, you know, are, are things that are like, incredibly important for the Facebook app, but we also partner a lot with Instagram and things like that and, and make sure that uh, we can actually offer uh, creators a set of products across the entire family of apps uh, that's relevant for them, uh, depending on what they are, they are trying to achieve. Yeah, Mark actually announced this morning that Instagram is going to have a, a brand uh, sponsorship marketplace where you know, Facebook and, and Instagram are going to help match brands with creators. Is that something that's going to come to Facebook? And also, does Facebook earn a cut of that product, whether on Facebook or on Instagram? So all of these uh, things that Mark mentioned this morning are things that we're building across Facebook and Instagram. And we think it's it's actually really important that uh, you know, for creators, we make it easy for them to access uh, these opportunities across the family. And, and you know, when they go see a brand, if they can say that they have, you know, 2 million fans on Facebook and 2 million fans on Instagram, uh, that helps the creator a lot to show that this combined uh, picture. And so uh, we want to be able to develop that across both platforms. And in terms of, of taking a cut, uh, we're still very, very early, uh, so we don't know yet, but there's a lot of values that we can create there, um, especially around, you know, showing brands 
the, the impact of these deals, because right now there's a ton of branded content deals that happen between creators and brands, uh, but brands don't really know the results uh, of these, uh, these deals. They don't know if they had impact. And as a result, uh, what we see is that usually the largest creators benefit a lot because they have a lot of popularity. Uh, and so brands feel safer going with these large creators when in fact they could be reaching their audience better with more like niche and, and medium-sized creators. And so if we could add some transparency and some measurement to uh, the ability to um, for a brand to see the impact of a campaign for every type of, of creator, we think that it will help many more creators than, uh, than we see today. And, and so that's something that we're actively building and we think can add a lot of value. That's great. I've, I've been hoping that you guys would build this kind of brand sponsorship marketplace for years. I mean, ever since Niche uh, started to build that for Vine and then got acquired by Twitter, it's just such an important part of the ecosystem that can really take some of the, the weight off of the platform to do uh, to offer all the monetization itself by acting as that connector. So really exciting to hear that you guys are going to be bringing that sort of brand sponsorship marketplace uh, to Facebook and not just Instagram. And uh, one last question before I give you a final word is that I want to just ask you personally, Fiji, like, who are your favorite audio creators and like, why does audio matter to you personally? It's interesting. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but they're mostly, uh, you know, I, I um, listen to this amazing podcast, Bio Eat World, uh, because I'm really into biology these days. So I'm, I'm always trying to learn something new that has nothing to do with my job, just to keep like seeing more horizons. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm uh, really into this like very specific podcasts. Um, and then in terms of creators, it's, uh, you know, my favorite creators are um, Tabitha brand and Daphnic Springs on Facebook. Uh, they're like really authentic, really awesome creators. They do a lot of live. I think their content is going to be actually great in audio as well. And I hope they jump in on the audio train. Right now they're doing mostly videos, uh, but they tend to be my two favorites uh, when it comes to creators. And anything about like why you think audio matters to you personally? You know, it's interesting. I have like, I, you know, it's, this one is a little bit more personal, but um, I've had some health issues in the last year uh, that have like actually required me to take a lot of meetings kind of lying down. <laughs> and no, um, uh, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm fine. But, uh, but it was a very interesting like moment for me for realizing that uh, audio is this very, very um, inclusive medium because fundamentally, like on video, you have to kind of look a certain way, look composed, like, you know, it requires much more out of you. Whereas on audio, uh, you can contribute very easily through the power of your voice, uh, you know, regardless of what you look like, regardless of whether you have to lie down or not. Um, and for me, that became actually a pretty personal passion to figure out how we could have uh, formats that are very inclusive of all people so that everyone's voice can be heard. And, and that's a big part of why, uh, you know, I raised my hand to lead audio, not just for the Facebook app, which I lead, but for the, for the company. Uh, and that's also a big part of why, you know, as part of, of making the audio announcements that we've made, um, I actually uh, committed to having all of our audio formats be available with live captions so that uh, people who are, are hard 
of hearing can actually read like this content and uh, feel like this, you know, they're not excluded from this content and this content is completely available to them and they can participate in the conversation. Um, and so, you know, it, it's funny that you ask why it's personal, but it is actually very personal because I think uh, we don't realize for people who, uh, you know, have like uh, no disability, we, we don't realize how certain formats um, uh, can create, you know, forms of exclusion. And, and that's why it's really important to make sure that all of the formats that we create can be experienced by anyone uh, in any way that they want and allow them to have their voices heard and join a conversation. Well, as somebody with a, a face built for radio and permanently messy hair, I appreciate the shift to audio <laughs> personally as well. As a, it's, I'm not always ready to jump on video. Um, so I wanted to recap a, a few of the major insights that you shared with us, Fiji. And if you guys want the recording of this show or some of the recordings of our past shows, including ones with uh, Jack Conti, the CEO of Patreon, Chris Best, the CEO of Substack, uh, as well as CEOs of Shopify, Spotify, WordPress, uh, Slack, as well as Mark Zuckerberg, you can go to Con Constein.club, and there you can subscribe and get uh, get all those podcasts as well as submit questions for our future chats and subscribe for alerts about our future shows. But I want to give, break down some of Fiji's incredible insights that you shared today. You talked about how intimacy and spontaneity are so important to the audio medium and what makes it really unique. And you complimented Clubhouse for doing something amazing and building an incredible community. But you said that you couldn't have just started this as in a response to Clubhouse because you guys have been building audio experiences for a long time. You know, video or audio chat and VoIP call have been a big thing on Messenger for years now. But you did say that, you know, when we saw the rise of these audio experiences during the pandemic, including Clubhouse, that you accelerated your efforts here. And what you think that you can bring to the space that's really uh, differentiated is bringing all the audio formats into the same space, podcasts, live audio recording, short asynchronous clips, and that you think there's many different flavors of this social audio, including the idea that, you know, while we're talking, uh, you know, in a more fireside chat format, which is very like public and broadcasty, that the opportunity to do, you know, small drop-in rooms that feel different from a call with a wider group of your acquaintances or close friends, as well as being able to do audio rooms inside of groups where there's 1.8 billion people on Facebook and there's lots of niche interests, uh, that that's been success, that that has a lot of opportunity and could be successful. And you said that rooms are already seeing that in uh, mid-sized groups. And, and I think a lot of people may, maybe don't get to experience Facebook rooms that often, but it is seeming to take off with a certain set of people. Um, and that there's a great opportunity. And what's so special about audio is that you can make friends with people that you don't know when you bond over uh, the same interests in such an intimate format. And that there's just always going to be a big hurdle to getting on camera. And it's more inclusive to be on audio where it doesn't really matter how you look. You don't necessarily need the highest production value that everybody can get involved. And then we talked a little bit about you know Facebook's shift in, into audio content and maybe whether that inf uh, affects its place as a friends and family first network. But you really said that that's really what you're still focused on. And that when it comes to how changes have happened over the years, whether, you know, the shift to video and then the pivot away from video, which caused a lot of thrash at newsrooms uh, and that has left some creators a little bit worried or uh, distrustful over whether they can jump on Facebook and it's going to be a good partner for them long term. You talked about that you're focused on what users want, that they're the first priority and that sometimes you're going to change strategies because of that, but that that matters because long term, if you don't serve the users, they're going to disappear and the creators are going to have nobody to create for. Um, and part of 
that is also the reason why you want to be focused on monetization from the early days for creators. So they don't necessarily have to trust your goodwill and that long term, they'll be able to build an audience and make money, but that they can make money right away with things like tipping, with things like mod, uh, subscription monetization uh, or ticketed events. And that, you know, you really have to prioritize those users because, you know, attention is fundamentally limited on Facebook. A lot of people complain about the reach of their pages, but this is a natural repercussion of content and volume increasing faster than the amount of time we spend on Facebook. So there's so much competition. That's why you probably shouldn't post anything as a creator on Mother's Day because there's just way too much content out there of people sharing nice photos of their mommies. But, you know, that you guys are building these new surfaces like Facebook Watch that can be a destination outside of the newsfeed to help people find some of this content. And, you know, you said that audio content on Facebook will be distributed in the feed, but that you probably are going to end up building a destination for all the audio content. Maybe not just sound bites, but live audio room discovery, as well as podcast listening, as well as sound bites. Uh, and because there's very different ways that people want to consume audio. Sometimes you're doing it and you want to participate. You want to be part of the discussion. Sometimes you're in your car and you really shouldn't be looking at your phone at all. Um, and that sometimes having live uh, in an app where people already spend time can be really advantageous because you know this is where people are already. And so if they can discover that live while they're already in the app, they might be more likely to convert and come check it out. Plus creators have already built a big fan base on Facebook and they want to nurture that with a variety of different methods of, mod of, uh, of content because it can get exhausting and boring if you just create in the same way over and over again. And to drive that monetization, you know, Facebook is creating a, a creator fund that you wouldn't quite tell me what the total amount was. You did say it was <laughs> under 100 million and I couldn't quite get you to say it was over 10 million, but maybe somewhere in the middle, uh, but that you know, you're planning to spread this fund a little bit thinner across a lot of creators because that way you can build a community of creators for all niches and all subcultures. And because you know those big tentpole creators, maybe like Joe Rogan that Spotify bought, you know, they already have plenty of ways to monetize. That said, I do think you guys tried the same strategy with Facebook Watch, and I don't think it was as successful as it could have been if you had a few tent poles. So I would recommend thinking about a few big creators to jump in there. Um, and then when we talked about data personalization and moderation, uh, you said that you know the data from these uh, these audio features will be used for personalization, and that you said you don't know if it's actually going to be used for AI improvement. But I do hope that if it is, that you explicitly tell users that so they can decide whether they want their voice used in that way, um, and that you guys are building moderation systems, and you've already have them. Thanks to the years that you've spent building live video, you already have a lot of the tools necessary to equip moderators with what they need to be able to pinpoint an abusive problem uh, situation in an audio call, determine if it violates your guys' rules, and be able to block and end that call if necessary. And then in terms of monetization, you talked about ads and that this isn't something you're working on right now, but there are a lot of ways that audio advertising could be improved with personalization and targeting. I think it would be really cool if a podcast had different ads for different people, because like I don't want to build a Squarespace. I already have a website. It's built by Spore.gg. I don't need a Squarespace ad in every single podcast that I listen to. Um, but also that, you know, ad, ads might not be the only way you want to monetize because that really requires a very large audience and you want to help emerging creators. And, and for the start, you're going to take no cut from the revenue that creators earn. And I think that that's really wise. You know, not only is it just during the pandemic and creators are still trying to find their footing, but it really shows that you guys are committed to helping creators uh, in the first place. And when I asked what that percentage would be, you said you haven't decided yet 
yet, but that you wanted it to be closer to the Patreon end of the spectrum, which is more like 10% than the Apple end of the spectrum, which is 30%, which you think of as being pretty brutal. And I asked you, you know, does Apple's 30% tax hurt the creator economy? And you said, absolutely. And that, and, you know, that now you're thinking about how do you send people to the web to be able to get around those taxes? Um, and that, you know, Apple allowed you to use Facebook pay for events during the pandemic to avoid that cut, but they're probably not going to be that flexible in the future. Uh, and I tried to get you to tell me if you made an offer on Clubhouse. You said you did not make an offer to buy Clubhouse, but wouldn't discuss if you'd gotten into late stage talks or gone any deeper there. Uh, but they, you know, often you guys make acquisitions when you haven't done something in a space before, or it's not a core social product, but it seems that you really do think that social is a core social product and, or that audio is a core social product and that you guys have been building an audio for a long time now. So it makes more sense to just build yourself. And then, you know, thinking about monetization and creators across the different apps, you know, Mark Zuckerberg announced this morning that you guys are building a brand sponsorship marketplace for Instagrammers. And it's great to hear that Fiji, you tell us that it's actually going to be valuable across the family of apps. And you don't necessarily know what the cut you're going to take is, but there's a lot of opportunity for you to generate value, which might warrant you taking a cut because you can help with brands closing the loop for measuring the results of campaigns and realizing that maybe it might be a bit more complicated to spend uh, their sponsored marketing budget across a bunch of small you know, nano influencers, but that they can often have a lot more trusted reach and have a lot more influence that way than just monetizing or just trying to sponsor one big creator. And then again, you said that audio is inclusive. I love that you guys are making sure audio captions are available for all your audio content. And I really do hope that you guys keep that commitment to creators going forward and give them a reason to trust you, even if there's been some thrash in the past. And so Fiji, with that, I want to leave you with one last question, which is maybe you could just tell us if you had advice to creators out there who are trying to get started on Facebook or already have a, a presence and are trying to grow it, you know, what would your advice be to creators on Facebook out there? In terms of advice, you know, I think I would say um, experiment with new formats, uh, experiment with monetization options, uh, because I think there are a lot of things that, you know, we offer in terms of different monetization options that are going to work really well for some creators, while other monetization options are going to work better for other creators. Um, and fundamentally, you know, we, we want all voices to be heard. So we're excited that we're going to be bringing kind of like a sound recording studio in everyone's pockets. And hopefully uh, we can get some like really new voices uh, to emerge from that. I think that's wonderful advice. Uh, just try keep experimenting, like figure out what works for you, figure out what content format works for you. You know, I spent years reporting on uh, tech startups and, and new uh, content formats like video, Instagram, Vine, Snapchat, TikTok, and I never found my voice until the voice platforms really arrived. So I hope whatever app it is, you guys go out there, go and find your own voice. If you guys are building something interesting in the audio space, I'd love to hear about it. We're funding startups in the creator economy right now at my fund signal fire. It's a $1 billion venture fund. We invest seed to series B and beyond. And we're really interested in learning about telehealth, e-commerce infrastructure, and creator economy startups. So please pitch me if you're building something interesting. If you want the recording from this show, we'd love to have you as part of the, the press clubbers community. You can go to constine.club and subscribe to get the, uh, the podcast there, as well as the constine.substack.com, also available on constine.club to get my newsletter where we bring takeaways from our big shows. Uh, and, and there you can read them if you're a little bit tired of listening to my voice. 
but otherwise, I'm just so thankful to all of you press clubbers out there who come here every week, week after week, to hear the incredible talks and insights from these business leaders and them in a more informal context and a little bit more of a relaxed place. And if you have feedback, like I would love to hear feedback. I'm experimenting too. And so if you want to hit me up either Twitter or Instagram DMs, whatever your preference is, give me some feedback. What do I do wrong? What could I do better? Who do you want to see on the show? What topics should we cover? Please, this is your show too. And we'd love to have you be a part of it. So give me some feedback if you can. Otherwise, just go to constantine.club and subscribe to get the alerts about our future shows. We'd love to have you back every week, 6 p.m. Thursdays, where we discuss the big issues with the big names in tech. And one more time, just go out there, experiment, find your voice. Thank you so much, Fiji, for joining us. Fiji Simo, the head of the Facebook app, really excited to see your commitment to the creator economy. Well, thank you so much for having me and thanks, everyone. Thanks again, everybody, for joining us this week on Press Club. We'll be back again 6 p.m. Thursdays. I'm Josh Constein from Signal Fire. It has been an absolute pleasure. Good evening. 